Have you ever given yourself an ultimatum? Like, if this happens, then I'm out of here. People sometimes joke about leaving the country if their president doesn't win. But John and Shane actually did it. When it became clear that Trump would win the election. We cried and we held each other and we looked at each other and we said, I guess we're going to Germany. John and Shane are married. They have a two-year-old son. And within a few months of Trump winning the election, they fled San Francisco and moved to Berlin. Now, interestingly, John is the son of Mexican immigrants. And we discussed what the election felt like in that context. Like Shane and I t- talked about it. I'm like, if we didn't have a kid, we wouldn't have made this move. We have a responsibility to this child to make sure that we give him every opportunity possible to be healthy, to be stable, to be safe. And I do not see that future for our son in America. And Shane is Jewish. And in 1938, his grandfather, a German Jew, left Germany. He had the prescience to get out. And as Shane puts it, it's a poetic irony that almost 80 years later, my family is leaving the United States to return. So we discussed what it felt like to experience this election in the context of growing up, learning about the Holocaust, and with that being your family history. We also discussed what it's like thinking about raising a kiddo in a different country, uh, the logistics of that, how different cultures treat those types of things, and the privilege that is inherent in this story. John and Shane were very aware of the fact that, hey, not everybody can move when things aren't going the way they want them to go. And we discussed what that feels like and when you should stay and fight for something versus leave. We are so grateful once again for another great conversation. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. Please rate us on iTunes. It really does help. And please let us know if you know someone who would be good for our podcast by going to howhumanschange.com and clicking contact. One note about this episode, John and Shane Skyped in from Berlin. So there are a few audio issues here and there. I blame it on Microsoft in Germany. Okay, enjoy. If you guys wouldn't mind framing up the big change, we'll put this at the beginning of the episode, but what was the big change that you went through recently in your life? Uh, In the span of about two months, we packed up our home and we moved to Berlin, Germany. From San Francisco. San Francisco, Mm -hmm. California. And you guys took a kid with you too, correct? Yes, with our two-year-old son, who, well, he was almost two and is now two. Yeah. Wow. So in two months, we went from having no idea that we would be moving to Germany to quitting our jobs, uh, taking our kid out of school, packing up two houses, and moving to the other side of the world, having no idea where we're going to live, what we're going to do for a job, or what we're going to do with our kid during the day. Wow. So a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. In the last two months, well, how long have you been in Germany now then? Uh, We've been in Germany since the middle of January, so I guess five months. Yeah, we beat his inauguration day by about a week. I think we (laughs) landed Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Okay. And has things have things settled down, or um, have you guys gotten work and figured things out, 
or are you still in limbo? Uh, yeah, I would say we're pretty well settled. I think that's one of the odd parts of the story, at least for me. And I think John's had a different experience. But for me, some days I'm like, feel bizarrely like I've stepped into a new alternative reality. But that also feels normal because I get up and I go to work and I have a cool job and I come home and we have a few friends now. And, you know, it's just like huh. definitely doesn't feel like a life I created six months ago. Wow. Yeah. Like um, everyone we met who knows anything about Berlin is like, you know, it's going to be really hard at first and everything takes longer than you think it will. And it's definitely been hard, but I also kind of feel like things snapped into place pretty quickly for us. Like we found an apartment very quickly. Um, Shane got a job very quickly. Um, we suddenly have a community of friends here. Like we have a very full social calendar. You wouldn't think that we did not have any friends here like a couple of months ago. Wow. Um, we just finally got, um, a sort of a, a nursery school daycare placement for our son, which is actually like really hard to do here in Berlin. Like mm. it's usually like a two year wait list from pretty much any nursery school you uh, apply to. Um, and, you know, it's just like, I think maybe a month, no, maybe two months after we moved into our new apartment, I like, turned to Shane and I was like, whoa, we have a whole life here. Huh. It's just stunning. Um, wow. So, like, I don't have a job yet. I'm very eager to get a job, but, like, we've been waiting for the daycare situation, the childcare situation to sort itself out. But, yeah, it's kind of, I think what Shane is saying is, like, kind of crazy. And one of the big lessons from this whole change is that, like, there's a version of our life that exists in Berlin that, has similarities to the life that we were having in San Francisco and has some differences, but like it's here, it's, yeah. it's already manifest. Totally. We did a lot of moving my family. I have two little girls, six and three, soon to be four. And I think we moved, um, I don't remember. I, I want to say it was maybe seven or eight times, uh, in the course of three years. And then I think over the course of the 12 years that we've been together, we've moved maybe 12 or 13 times. I don't know. Wow. And a handful of those moves, we would, we would move and we would just, it was like you wake up on a Monday in one city and then on Tuesday, the world is still turning, but you're in a new city and yeah. it can be the most just strange. It's, it's, I remember feeling like I was living someone else's life that I, my legs were walking and my arms were moving and I was talking, but it was just this almost out of body experience. Mm, it, totally. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's made even weirder. I think, uh, maybe you were in other countries, but for us, for me being in another country, cause it's like, okay, so this is the German shame. This is me in Germany. And yeah. <laughs> now like, what is that? Yeah. 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 That. That's kind of, a, have, how have you guys dealt with it? Has it been stressful or exciting or maybe a bit of both? The language? Just the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle, moving to Germany and dealing with a whole new life, not let alone in a different country. I can add one more thought on the whole, like, whoa, alternate reality thing. Like, we came to this country with um, the suitcases that were allowed on the plane. So we came to this country with 10 suitcases of stuff. Uh, so we basically just like had to furnish an entire house and build a whole house from scratch. 
Wow. And um, that also, like, we look around and it feels like home. And we've had friends from the U.S. who come to visit us and they're like, wow, this totally feels like John and Shane's house. But it's also, like, a very different aesthetic. Like, it's mostly Ikea. It's very, like, modern stuff. It's a lot more modern than our house in California. And so it's this adds to this sense of, like, there's very little that surrounds us that's familiar, even within the walls of our own home. Like, other people who may have made this move. Right. Sure. So it's like, I'm still sleeping in my bed. And, you know, my kid is still eating off of the same table. That's, like, the only thing that's really familiar is, like... Us. each other yeah. like our faces everything else around us is like a version of a new life it's true and a few of the ikea pieces are things we had in san francisco like yeah, the island. <laughs> there was just a recreation through ikea yeah I, I can totally relate we have my wife and i have this um uh painting this the really lovely little painting an artist friend of ours did that says home is wherever i'm with you it became this reality for us once we did a couple of those moves that weren't new countries but they were sell everything and start over completely um and it had this it was really beautiful because you had nowhere to turn but to each other and and form redefine what home and house and all of those things meant uh but pretty darn hard still and strange it is, I also would say it's very empowering. I mean, I think and you probably can relate once you've done it, you're kind of like, well, I can do anything. I mean, if I yeah. can build life here, I can build life anywhere. I'm like, my powers stretch beyond just my everyday into whatever universe I might need to step into. Mm -hmm. um, and I find like, I'm better at work because I have more confidence because, you know, work is easy compared to, you know, what I just went through. Is this one of the first big moves you guys made? Did you both grow up in California? Um, we have lived in a couple different places together. We met in San Francisco and we moved to Los Angeles together at about four months into our relationship. And then we moved back to San Francisco nine months later. Um, so we didn't even last a year in Los Angeles um, really? and an apartment. And then we bought a house, which we yeah. lived in for about five years, um, with the dog and then our son. So for the very beginning of our relationship, it was definitely a lot of craziness, a lot of like newness and change. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Shane and I went from like, oh, we've been dating for a couple of months. We really like each other to now, oh crap, we're sharing a house. And it's like, wait, what? You like this in home decor? <laughs> yeah. And That's how long it takes you to shower, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, things like that. And then like we moved back to San Francisco and then suddenly we were like, homeowners and we were like domestic uh, and then yeah once we moved into the house that we bought like life became very very stable and i never thought i'd leave we owned property in san francisco um for the yeah. record we bought it at the bottom of the market we bought it in not the nicest neighborhood so it's not just a story of you know success through having money though we've been lucky with the means we have but you know we bought this home and it's like why would you ever leave san francisco gay family it's a perfect location we have this cute house we put a lot of love and effort into it um i definitely could imagine living there forever and we do own the house so like going back is an option um uh, that was so weird is letting go of something that just seems so stable yeah it definitely all of our friends thought that we were crazy 
um, because like they looked at our lives and they're like, you guys are so rooted and established. Mm. Like we had really good jobs. We actually had just bought a second um, vacation home for Airbnb. So for our vacations, but also like an investment property that we yeah. were at. Right. So like people were like, you just bought a second home. Like, why are you picking up and leaving everything behind? Why Not are you watching our family? Away? Yeah. Both our family. Let me, let me jump in here, guys. That's a great segue to what must have been a very difficult change. So you are facing down, it sounds like when you finally decided to move, a lot of people are asking you what you were thinking. Why don't you back up and tell us a little bit about how this all started? So we were very tuned in, as was all of America with the election, maybe a little bit more so. I was explaining I'm a science major. You know, part of what brings John and I together is sort of an awareness of the world and being really tuned in. We started a lot of podcasts, we had a lot of news. I was worried about it because I think that this is a disaster and it could be, could have been a disaster. Um, but I, in the end, just really didn't think that Trump would win. Um, she was up in all the polls, you know, none of that reality made any sense that if he would win just didn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then that night was just horrific. You know, mm. I, I don't know if you could describe the night. I don't know if I could, it was just, yeah watching your life slip away mm. well um i mean i guess i would say where did this all start um and back up a little bit from the night of the election like we were actually in our house in sonoma and like we were talking about the election and i did want to have a talk with shane about like what would we do if Trump won? We were voting. We sat down together. We to sat do down an absentee vote. ballot, uh, which is very long in California. You do it by mail. So we sat yeah. down for hours going through the ballot and we had this discussion. Right. And, you know, Shane, yeah, studied politics. I, we're both, I think, political engineers, junkies. And um, I'm kind of the kind of person who, like, really believes in preparing for the worst. So it's like, it's never going to happen, like never going to happen. He's never going to win. I mean, we are going to have the first female president, but let's just say for argument's sake, he wins. What would we do? Yeah. And we looked at each other and we're like, well, I guess we will move to Germany because my husband Shane has German citizenship. And I think actually that's really where the story begins of like this change. It's like, I mean, your mom, both you and your mom could have gotten your German citizenship. You chose to get your German citizenship, and there was a reason why. I applied for citizenship to Germany in 2005 when I was in college, when I learned that I could, um, because German law allows it if your family left um, during the Second World War and had their citizenship revoked. My grandfather left Germany in 1938, a German Jew, and went to the United States. Um, and at the time he left, any Jew who left did have their citizenship uh, taken away. Um, and I did it as kind of, I was getting at, thinking that it might always be nice to have an exit plan or just another more options, maybe want to live in Europe, not necessarily for political reasons. Um, also, I, I used to call it my healthcare backup plan. Uh, and uh, you know, there's that, and then when this happened, it became a you know a realistic option. Um, 
and the lesson, you know, the lesson that I think I take away from what my, my family story is that you leave. Hmm. Fight, maybe. Uh, you can give in or you can leave. And that's a totally viable option uh, if you have the option. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think like back to family is Jewish and that Jane's grandfather was a country who left Germany, you know, right before World War II. Just, it, I think it really heavily colors the whole story. Yeah. Both it, of us. It sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. Because I, you know, I was raised on it. Uh, knowing our family story but also the holocaust story and reading all of these holocaust stories my mom made me read one after the other and so i i've thought about it a lot and the question is like what would you do if you were in 1935 germany 38 germany 1940 yeah. germany what would you do when do you know it's bad right when do you think so for example my great grandfather didn't want to leave he was a um he'd been in the german army in world war one he was a Colonel, let's let's say, um, and he thought he thought you know Germany's never going to do anything to me. I'm I'm a you know, I'm in the military here, uh, and his wife insisted. And she said, "No, we're going to the United States. This is getting really bad." Wow. So how do you know? And when I read right. the news now, I don't feel crazy for leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, wow. I think there's always so like there's that really for Shane. There's also like. I have naturally nervous present parents, <laughs> naturally nervous parents. We grew up super religious. I grew up Mormon uh, with a lot of like sort of end of days. Oh, right. Thinking. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just like you're all, I always feel like you're always aware that you could be like the frog sitting in water. Yeah. You know, not realizing that it's getting hotter and hotter until it's too late. And so um, that definitely um, steeled kind of our courage whenever we would be like, are we being crazy for leaving? Like, maybe we shouldn't. And it's like, no, we got to get out now. We got to get out of this crazy before we get used to the crazy. Um, and this was before I even got like inaugurated. But I don't know if you want to flash forward to then like election night, which was like the clincher. Yeah. Well, well, first, actually, I do want to flash forward to that. And this is amazing. And I, I read the blog post that you guys had put up, and I was so fascinated by that um, family story. Um, but, but with the following questions, feel free to get very political. What was it about Trump in particular, as you started watching the election, and watching the primaries and watching the everything that was taking place that made you feel as individuals for your family man this might be the beginning of something really bad you want to know what it was yeah it's not donald trump it's the people that voted for him mm. they saw his behavior they saw it every different way right they saw it in person they saw him like look like he was going to virtually assault hillary clinton on the stage uh they heard an audio tape of him talking about assaulting women and that's not even the policy stuff i mean they saw it. There was, and they voted for him. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you trust those yeah. people? How do you trust that they understand the reality that you're living in? I think that's absolutely a really big thing for both of us. Like, which kind of also brings it in some ways to that election moment, which is just and what continues to be nervous for the future of America 
which is that in spite of everything that people would see about Donald Trump, they would still stand behind him. They would still vote for him. And to me, that says something really bad about the country. Like what's going on with the country, with these American voters, that they can vote for someone who behaves the way that he does, who, you know, says the things that he says. Um, So that definitely like made me feel like even if, you know, somehow miraculously, like, you could wipe out um, Mike Pence and Donald Trump and, you know, that whole dark, you know, coterie of people in one fell swoop. There's still this big group of Americans that somehow thought that like, this would be okay. This would actually be a good idea for America. And that kind of scares the crap out of me, I think out of us. Look at Montana. They just elected a congressman who um, assaulted a reporter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Granted, that happened like the night before the election. Maybe people weren't informed. Sixty percent of votes had already been cast before that had happened. Okay, so it may not be proof positive, but it's not a good sign. I mean, the water's—you know—if you're a frog in the water, the water's steaming hot. And how do when when do you know that this is the next you know uh, Nazi regime? Right. Did you guys? Oh, sorry. Also, for sure, like. You know, we can look at Trump now and be like, he's a bumbling incompetent idiot, yeah. right? And he seems like incapable of making anything real happen. But before we knew what the Trump presidency might actually look like, what we did know was that, you know, he had Steve Bannon as like this sort of dark, you know, nether lord, like. <laughs> <laughs> in the White House. Who is still in the White House. A white supremacist he... is in the White House. Yeah. So you had Steve Bannon, you, like, we knew about the Russia ties before the election. Like, that freaked me out. I'm like, what kind of dark forces? That scared the crap out of me, for sure. Not knowing that they would be incapable of getting anything done. It was like, they could make change happen very swiftly. Yeah. So were you thinking about it from the, like, there's the meta level of, well, if this, if this goes really bad um the whole country's in trouble and then there's also the individual level of being gay and recognizing that this administration does not seem although i'm sure some would argue with this does not seem very friendly to the gay community was it more of an individual aspect or was it the just geez what the heck is going on with culture what in the world when i think about the individual aspect i really think about our son and it you know, I didn't believe that we were in imminent danger for our lives or security, especially being in California. It's probably the best place to be. Yeah. But I do think about what options he will have down the road and what a life there might look like. And if they totally, uh, erase public education or, um, you know, severely cripple it, then it becomes a very expensive proposition to educate our son or or it gets a substandard education and then healthcare. You know, what if something happens and we can't afford healthcare? Yeah. What if he can't afford healthcare his whole life? Um, you know, these are things I think about long term for him. Um, I think for me, because I grew up in sort of a doomsday religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, if we're talking about 
election night and the days between election and inauguration, I did worry about getting rounded up and being sent to a concentration camp. Like this Donald Trump guy is a total liar and he may pay lip service to L the LGBT community, but the reality is, is that his base doesn't like gay families. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like- the like, vice president is virulently anti-gay. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone would be like, oh, well, maybe he'll get impeached. And I'm like, great, president will, the new president, you know, Pence, will, you know, try to do whatever he can to basically dismantle the rights of gay families. And those are very precious to us. And uh, they were very hard won. And I do feel like in San Francisco, like we are protected, our community is behind us. But it's like at that time, back in November um, and in December, we're like, I have no idea what kind of crazy stuff is going to go down. And so like, you know, no one, like we try to deny the Japanese internment camps, but the Japanese internment camps happened in America. Mm -hmm. And actually the Trump administration thought the Japanese internment camps were a good idea. So um, there's definitely that real fear that was present at that time. And then even if that fear was not present, there is still very much like, like Shane and I talked about it and like if we didn't have a kid we wouldn't have made this move like if we didn't have a kid wow. we would have stayed and fought but we have a kid and we have a responsibility to this child to make sure that we give him every opportunity possible to be healthy to be stable to be safe and i do not see that future for our son in America. Mm. I'll, I'll make that point another way. I mean, I don't know if you can see out our lovely window here before dawn on this lovely street mm -hmm. in Germany. Before yeah, you can't see that. You can't see much, right? It's a lovely, beautiful street. And we walk with these tree-lined streets. And I think at one point, Nazis controlled this beautiful street, yeah. you know? And it's so idyllic, it's so picturesque, but so much of Europe is. And at one point, very dark fat forces controlled it. And it wasn't very long ago. This shit happens, you know? Mm -hmm. It is, as a total tangent, it is quite startling to walk around Berlin and see the wall and other Checkpoint Charlie and some of the big ones and just, just to pause. And if you actually let your mind wander to be aware of what happened is quite startling. Has that been, is that, what is that? I was going to ask. Had you been walking around Berlin and the reason you made that decision, has that reinforced your decision? Has that sort of helped you feel good about the big change? So actually, um, of course, the big reason that we moved to Germany was because Shane had the citizenship. But like one of the things that made us feel really good about moving to Germany is like, you know, because we were aware of like, also, you know, the crazy shit that was happening with Le Pen and everything, like yeah. other parts of the world and Brexit. And it's like, you know, this country here in Germany has made a really big effort to not forget. America really has tried to forget the atrocities of World War II and like what can really happen when things go bad. Mm. And the Germans here are so determined to remember that actually if you look around, you can find little gold, little brass um, plaques on the streets where Jews lived. 
that were taken away to the concentration camps. Wow. Like, aside from that big, huge Holocaust memorial in the center of town, right under the site of where their government meets, aside from this big, huge monument, there are little monuments all throughout the city here in Hamburg that make sure that people don't forget, like, bad stuff can happen when you don't stay on top of things. Mm -hmm. So we felt like out of any country in the world that we could move to, like Germany is the most likely to not get swept up in craziness, mm. um, to not turn against minorities. Yeah. Science, mm -hmm. reason, media, news. There was a number of um, articles that I was reading during the, I think it was during the primaries. I was, um, I have a interest in history I don't read a ton of history books, but there was at one point I thought I was going to be a history major. Uh, I abandoned that when I, <laughs> for, for a number of reasons, but I do still like history. And I was reading up through the election on what historians were saying about what this election looked like. And there were people on both sides of the fence, um, but I do remember a number of historians just pointing out some of the similarities of historic um, times that the world has gone much darker than it previously was and drawing some of those comparisons between then and now. And there were, I remember reading a number of those articles and it is scary. It was scary to read and to think about and to process. And especially as a straight white male feeling like, wow, I've got it just about as good as you possibly can in terms of demographics that are the least likely to be persecuted in any fashion here. And just realizing all of those different groups that were feeling what the historians may have been talking about, whether or not, and it was, it was sad to see it going, turning into all crazy different bits of vitriol, but you can see people just starting to clench up and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is starting to feel a lot more personal. This is starting to feel a lot more yeah. difficult I mean, to process. Besides replacing Muslim ban with Jewish ban. <laughs> that, yeah. that sounds, I mean. Right. Well, I mean, I'm the son of Mexican immigrants. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a Mexican Jewish gay family. We just really do not feel like, uh, Trump's base, the people that put him in power, yeah. want us in America. Man, how are your parents? Oh, they're not happy about it, the move at all. They were really, really, really upset about it. And actually, we had to tell my mother on her birthday. Oh, my uh, goodness. That and my mother on Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so fast forwarding, the election happens. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of, it sounds like almost in the back of your minds even just saying, well, there's always that one out across the water or you were, you were getting geared up for it. Well, no, no, not at all. Like, not at all. I mean, honestly. election. So election night, like, you know, we have a toddler. Uh, we were like supercharged and pumped to like watch, you know, all the news coverage of election night. We like hurriedly like put our son to bed. So we could just like sit and be glued to the TV. Uh, like we ordered takeout and like I'd actually put a bottle of bubbly like in the fridge. And I'm like, you know, when Clinton's victory is, you know, declared, we will like 
pop open this bubbly and my husband and I will toast the first woman president in America. And this is going to be a night that we're going to make history. And the next morning I'm going to like make breakfast for my son and be like, we have a woman president. And, I mean, he was like, not even two yet, but like, you know, we could yeah. tell him. Today we, we could tell him. <laughs> and we were going to make, I was hoping to make a little video with him. Like, look, like today, you know, we made history. Like we were ready for a night of celebration. And I was like, you know, this isn't a nice bottle of bubbly. Um, you know, I just got something cheap. We'll go out with friends later and have a proper celebration yeah. uh, of our new President Clinton. And um, and actually, we were sitting there in our living room and we were watching it as it was happening. And the first reaction I would say was just incredulity. We're like, no, no. Like we were like, Literally saying no to the television. Yeah, you know, it's like, pinch yourself, please wake up. And then, like, as, like, this started to set in, and, like, even, you know, we would talk to each other and try to grasp some hope, like, maybe things could turn. But I was already, I at least was personally freaking, I'm like, how are so many people voting for Trump? How is it even close? Yeah, how is it not a landslide? I see. And, and then, um, and that whole, how was this not a landslide victory for Hillary Clinton? Like that was a big driving force to getting us out of the country because we're like, this should have been a landslide. But I will go a little deeper. And I know that's the point of your podcast is really trying to evaluate why people make these decisions. And I do think there's an element here of the rug getting pulled out from underneath and everything that you think is true just isn't anymore. I couldn't listen to the news for a long time because I was like, I just, I don't know if I can really trust them. Like I, they told me a different narrative. They told me something else. They told me, you know, okay, well, it's close, but, you know, the blue wall, that it can't be, you know, yeah. gone through. And I had watched, you know, many other presidential elections when a simple gaffe, they used to call them, would, would you know, bring down a candidate. So suddenly everything yeah. that you thought was true about politics, about your country, about your society, about the news, about everything is just seemingly just not true. And when yeah. you have that sort of realization that like life is just much more tenuous or much less concrete than you think, then yeah. anything seems possible. Yeah. So it definitely felt like even like what everything that you're saying about like basically not knowing what country you're in, like that felt very, very big and very, very true that night of the election. And remember, we did actually, we cried. Yeah. We cried and we held each other and we looked at each other and we said, I guess we're going to Germany. Because you had already talked about it enough that you both were like, this is the plan or is this the we first time? We conversation about it. <laughs> For like 15 minutes in the summer. Okay, but then we spent a week at least putting on the brakes and trying to have this conversation. Like, okay, well, we had this one conversation before we had all the information thinking that it would happen. Election night happened, we're very emotional. Yeah. Is this a realistic decision? Is yeah. this a good decision? So you tried to make rational think, you, you were starting like, okay, let's apply some rational thinking here and pros yeah. and cons and those right. types of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the very next morning, like I went into the office, Shane went to the German consulate to like find out like, what are our options? Uh, like neither of us speak German. Like our first thought was actually like, uh, I mean, yes, Germany, but like, we're like, oh, maybe Amsterdam or Spain, like Amsterdam is a little bit like, there are jobs that are maybe a little bit more related to like my career, Spain, we both speak Spanish, you know, but like, 
Shane went to the German consulate to get the details, but we were, we were like, we're not going to tell anybody that we're mo moving to Germany. We're like, but this is what our plan is. It's like, we're going to like get out of the country. We need to figure out like, what will it take? What do we need to do? What's the timeline? And then we'll start making a decision. And we actually even, we really dragged it out in some ways because we're like, okay, this is the plan. We weren't like a thousand percent committed to the plan. Um, I think until like we pulled our son out of school and quit our jobs. Like that was like the final. Right. Day daycare was actually the hardest one because it's hard to get us in daycare, right? That's yeah. been our problem here. And yeah. so that, like when you tell your daycare you're leaving, like you've made a decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and quitting your job, you know, like that was. Yeah. You know, so and were you like, making these decisions along the way with with like 75% sure and there was still this small part of your brain that was like the other 25% was thinking, I don't know, maybe, or what was going on? Well, like, why would you want, like, you have a beautiful home in the most desirable city in all of America. You live close to your child's grandparents. Like, you have a great career. Like you have a great community. So like why would you want to leave that? We had to weigh all of that against, Ooh, yeah. you know, uncertainty. And that's what it is. You know, a lot of we're making decisions based on uncertainty about the future. Um, right. And we always had to come back to the basic question is, you know, what's best for our son? And uh, yeah. we had to rationalize it a couple different ways. But one of it is, you know, this is an opportunity to open another road. We're extremely lucky. We own that home. We can go back. But while we're here, he's learning German, we're learning German, we're learning about the country, we're deciding if this is a future that's viable for us. Yeah. Um, and if, if we decide to go back, if it's safe to go back, we go back. Um, so that's one thing, right? We, if you just frame it, we tried framing it as, okay, well, we're gonna be immigrants, we're gonna leave, never look back, and that's like, that was too much. That, did, that, did, that was too much. So when you made that decision, it's, when did you feel like you decided, okay, we're getting out of the country? And then everything thereafter was just finding out where and how. When was the decision where we're leaving? The night of the election. It was the night of the election. I would say the next week was second, not second guessing, but really trying to like evaluate Pressure it. testing. Pressure testing, evaluating it, yeah. you know, uh, trying to put that rational thinking yeah. to it. And then I, it was probably a week later where we're like, okay, you know, we're 90% details to be determined, right? And yeah. Details might shift things, but yeah. it didn't. I mean, I mean, I remember I went out um, for drinks with my best friend the day after the election. We had a standing drink date, and um, you know, I mean, the whole the whole city was like a funeral. Yeah, you know, it was really, really depressing, and like, you know, where everyone was upset, we were all upset. And I'm having drinks with my friend and dinner, and. Uh, I tell him, I do tell him what we're thinking, you know, and he's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And I'm like, no, Michael, I don't think you are really understanding. We're moving, we're leaving. He's like, no, yeah, okay. And then, like, it wasn't until like a month later that he's like, I didn't think you were serious. I thought it was just, like <laughs> what people like say in situations like this, you know, I'm leaving. But like, we were dead serious. Like, we were sitting there consoling our friends. I know I was sitting there consoling my friends and feeling really bad that everyone is so upset. Mm. And also thinking like, 
okay, I have an escape plan that I'm cooking up right now. And that helped me not lose my shit. That helped me not like completely break down. I cried for other reasons. Yeah. I cried at the thought of like leaving my home and never coming back. This is why Shane said we couldn't make that decision. We made the decision that we would come to Berlin for two years. And after two years, we would decide what to do from there. But, yeah. There's definitely a, the, the changes that I've uh, undergone in my life and then talking to other people about it, there is a lot of wisdom, it seems, in just making the next decision, just making the next decision, just making the next decision. Because yeah. when you try and stack up all of those on top of each other and plot out anything beyond the next decision, it can be overwhelming. It's too big. It's yeah. way too big. What were you guys feeling during that? I mean, I must, I'm sure it must have been a, a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, I mean, it was extremely hard. It was, I mean, we we're just a lot of sadness for our country, a lot of sadness for the future, a lot of sadness about potentially leaving our family and our friends and, you know, wondering if we were making just horrible decisions. And um, yeah, it was, like, it was hard. It was hard for a lot of the time leading up to the move, it felt like we were spending time mourning the yeah. loss of our home and mourning the loss of our community and mourning the loss of even our parents before we even lost them. And, you know, yeah. some of our friends were like, why are you doing this so fast? Like you're moving in two months time. Like, why not take your time, figure it out? And we kind of wanted to move fast. Initially, we were thinking, like, just get it done. Just, like, yeah, uh, get going. Pull the band-aid. Pull the band-aid. I think we also thought, like, starting out in January would be a good time for job hunting and for apartment hunting and things like that. We thought, like, logistically, it would work out well. Um, but really, like, the longer it wore on, the more it seems like doing it fast was the best possible way to do it. Why? If we'd spent months and months like wandering our house being like oh is this the last spring i yeah. see you miss like, it a lot more when you're there when you're gone you're in you're new experiences yeah. right and everything is, is lovely maybe it is right now yeah but when you're, in it, you're just already missing it and it's so sad mm -hmm. so i think faster was way better yeah what about telling the family so you go who's whose mom whose birthday was it my mom's birthday yeah oh my gosh tell us about that Oh, um, well, I mean, oh God, it was painful on so many levels. Um, my parents lived in Utah and they actually moved out to California about two hours south of San Francisco. Oh, no. So they're moving there presumably to be close to you and the grandson and, um, yeah, that was a big reason. They moved into my sister's house. Okay. Um, so it's not like they made some big, like, financial sacrifice but it was still they made that move they were very happy in utah but they wanted to be closer to my sister and to me and um you know it was really hard for my mormon parents to accept my life as a gay man yeah and um choosing to marry shane was hard for them when we had a child 
they were already very accepting once we had before we had a child but once we had a child it just kind of opened up the relationship in a whole new way mm -hmm. and um i feel like they could understand our relationship and us as a family even more and um you know they just fell head over heels for their grandson oh that's beautiful it, it is beautiful and so we're there for like on my mom's birthday and like i'm seeing my parents who like our relationship was so rocky and fraught for so long for them to just be so happy with their grandson so incredibly happy mm. and to then have to sit down and be like we're taking him to the other side of the world my mother her first reaction was like well it's the end of days so i can understand <laughs> <laughs> So probably for the first time in your life, you're like, thank you, Mormonism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, no joke, that really colored her uh, appreciation of, of what we were doing. Wow. Her was being an immigrant herself. I mean, they left their country to, for a better future. Those were yeah. two things that made them understand it better. And at the same time, we, of course, got a lot of pushback, mm -hmm. more so for my dad who was like, you guys are making a big mistake. You should wait, you should see, you don't know. You're like completely turning your life upside down. Yeah. And you have no idea what this presidency is going to be like. Um, and like, there's a lot of legitimacy to that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so we got a lot of pushback from them, but um, my parents are the kinds of people who like, they will hear your life choices and they will generally not make a lot of big protests. They will resign themselves to your choice and they will disapprove with dignity. That's kind of nice, huh? Kind of nice. It's very different than my Jewish parents. So telling Shakespeare. <laughs> dignity is not the top yeah. of the <laughs> What were your parents like? Um, angry. I mean, so my parents also moved to California it's a little bit more complicated. My mom moved for health reasons. I grew up in, a, in New Mexico and Santa Fe, very high elevation. And, and okay. she, had she moved to California, which is sea level. So it wasn't just for me. And she moved before we had our, our, our son, um, but not much before. And they moved, they were living downstairs from us for uh, two years. And uh, they were there the first year of his life. So they were incredibly close. They feel in some ways like, you know, we had encouraged them to move to California, which is true. But anyways, it's getting a, it's a long story, right? It's yeah. Um, but it's a little bit of like why she was so angry. Um, and my mom doesn't have German citizenship because she doesn't want it and she doesn't want to live here. Mm -hmm. um, however, she speaks German. She's much more German than I am because of her father who, you know, yeah. born here. Um, so she's conflicted about me being in Germany. She's not conflicted about me leaving. She was not happy about that. Um, I, at the end, she did everything she could because she wants to have a relationship and she loves me incredibly much. So, you know, they're supportive as much as they can be. Um, <laughs> and we do a lot of FaceTime to try to make up for it, you know, so that I do. Yeah. But yeah, but that is the big difference between my mom, my parents and Shane's parents is like Shane's parents disapproved and they let us know every day. Like, <laughs> they were like, 
you know, even once they were like resigned and accepting, accepting that it would happen, you know, something simple, we're sitting there having a family visit and it's like, hey mom, can you pass the popcorn? I can't no. believe you're taking my grandchild. <laughs> popcorn you're taking away my grandson i'm laughing because i can relate but it's not funny i mean it's it is funny it it is and it isn't right it's 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 life Um, but what was struck me was that like to me because the way she raised me i have this deep intimate like connection to the holocaust and to what our family went through because she raised me that way she was also my teacher at one point she was a school teacher and her curriculum always talked about this. She always made us read the books. I mean, I read a hundred books about the Holocaust, you know, Anne Frank's Diary, Eli Wiesel Knight, um, all these other books that I read. So I felt this. And, you know, she just didn't seem to feel the same way. I mean, she just, she hates Donald Trump. Um, and I don't know, maybe she just sees it differently or, yeah. I, I don't know. But, you know, she doesn't see the world the way I do right now. So as you guys are starting to gear up towards making this decision of leaving and you're like, hey, we're leaving. And then friends and family come back and say, you're crazy. What are you doing? What did that do to you guys? What was it? Did, did you have a step back and say, are we crazy? Is this what's going on? Or was it did it strengthen your decision? Um, I mean, I think the whole the whole way we're having doubts. You know, so any time that someone would say something like that to us, I'm like, are we being crazy? Like, are we overreacting? Are we making the right decision? This is why it really didn't feel like final, final. Mm. It felt like we put in notice with our daycare and put in notice at work because we still were like, maybe we're not making the right decision. Maybe we can still pull out and we can change our mind. Yeah, And like, that felt like the step, like, beyond which you could not go back. Yeah. Every and, time we turned on the news, we felt vindicated about yep. it. We felt not vindicated, but we felt more sure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to remember exactly what the news was in December, but it was nothing good. It was, oh, you know, he doesn't support NATO. What? Yeah. Every, yeah. every uh, you know, alliance with an ally is, is now questioned. And, you it's know, they of- really are going to press for this wall. And they really are going to press for Muslim ban. And um, the people he was appointing, you know, it's just like, nothing good well it sounds like too if i'm hearing you guys correctly there was some there was also on the flip side some excitement about something different and something new um Uh, that that took a while did it Uh, yeah so like we we have always valued having a spirit of adventure that's actually what brought us together as a couple um i think it was even like in our this is horrible. I'm saying. I think it was. Um, I think it was in our marriage vows even that we talked about having a spirit of adventure. Mm-hmm. When we um, were preparing our adoption materials, we talked about the importance of raising our son with a spirit of adventure. We've always believed that. Um, we had talked about living abroad later. Like this wouldn't have been the moment. This just yeah. wouldn't have been. We talked yeah. about living abroad like probably after like our parents had passed. Got it. Yeah. Uh, So after kind of being sick, uh, mourning the loss of our lives in San Francisco, I think there was a time where we just decided we needed to embrace this as an adventure. Mm. We needed to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm leaving this beautiful house in San Francisco, but I'm gonna get to go live in Europe and I'm gonna go get to live in a cool city 
and I'm gonna get to walk down tree-lined, you know, cobblestone streets, and this is gonna be awesome. I actually think there's a step before that, and I think the step before that was perseverance, because, hmm. you know, I think the reason that we actually mentioned that we had had the second house was one that it was a big decision to change after we just made this other investment. Yeah. But two, we literally packed up two houses, our home and then this vacation rental home that we had done in the span of two months. It was exhausting, right? <laughs> like packing, moving. Yeah, I know. Doing this quickly and then getting on an airplane with a toddler. And then we rented this Airbnb where we stayed for a month and it turned out to be a fifth floor walk-up with a child and a, and a, and a stroller. And it was exhausting, right? Yep. Like, we just left our family. It was hard. It was sad. Uh, and a lot of it was, I think, and when I talk about the strength that came from it, it was from that perseverance of like, yeah, because we have to do it. We have to stay strong for our son, for us. And then we suddenly looked around and said, this is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think like what you're saying is true in terms of like everything leading up was super hard. And, yeah. But I actually... I don't know if you remember this, but I am talking about like in December, like we started to try to be excited about mm. getting to live in Europe. It is true, yeah. We looked at some like rental listings, we're like, oh, there's some nice properties. Yeah. We're like, we not... can, yeah, we were like, we can yeah. afford a beautiful house and get in. And like, we learned about, you know, government subsidized childcare. And, you know, we learned about, like a lot of cool things about living in Berlin and we learned yeah. how friendly it is. So we try to be like, this is gonna be a cool adventure. And sometimes we feel guilty because we'd feel like that was, we were letting that become the reason. And like we were breaking our parents' hearts to go have an adventure, which was not the right. case. Right, right. So like, that was like a very complicated thing. That would be complicated. Because you want to try to be happy. You want to try to cast the next chapter in your, your life in a positive light. We wanna have it start out in a positive way. And we got here and it was really hard. As Shane was saying, like the whole fifth floor walk up thing with the stroller. Um, we found a place in February and it wasn't really, I'd say until March that we actually started looking around and being like, it's kind of awesome to live here. Yeah. It was really hard to get started here. Like we moved into an apartment and there were no lights and there was no kitchen. You have to install your own kitchen. It's a German thing. It's really weird. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. Sometimes apartments, sometimes they have kitchens or sometimes people are moving and they will sell you their kitchen. But otherwise you're expected to design, build and install your own kitchen, which you then own and can take with you, which is ridiculous. That's very strange. That seems like a... I mean, being culturally sensitive and all, that still seems pretty backwards. <laughs> well, it's not if you're a landlord, because then you don't have to buy a kitchen. But oh, for right. the tenant, it's weird. So, well, going back to what you were saying about um, about trying to get excited, it's, yeah. I, I feel like, um, well, I can say from experience as well that I've gotten, learned the lesson of the need to introduce excitable elements into a moment of change. Because those changes that occur that aren't by your choice or that are the results of things just being hard, are it's so easy to focus on the hard thing. And it's like a lifeline to just get even one thing that is you can get excited about, that you can wrap your head around like, oh, they have a beach close by. Or, oh, we can walk to a fill in the blank, to something to be excited about. 
Yeah, I agree. Did All you right. guys find that, that you said that started to happen while you were stateside or before? Yeah, I mean, we looked, we, you know, we of course were trying to figure out what is this life in um, Berlin, sorry, I keep wanting to say Berlin, like how you say in German, um, in Berlin. Um, <laughs> my, what the, one of the reasons I was in Berlin a lot is I was working with um, uh, Adidas and for a long time, I, I was, yes, exactly. I, I kept saying Adidas to everyone back home and everyone would be like, just, you're a douche. Can you please start saying Adidas again? <laughs> so I'll try to remember to say Berlin. Berlin. Um, but anyway, um, we, you know, we were, of course, just trying to figure out, like, what is our life going to look like in Berlin? Uh, you know, we looked at apartments. We lived in, like, oh, my God. Like, we can afford a really nice apartment in, like, a really cool neighborhood. Um, what? Like, the government will, like, basically cover all of our child care? Yeah. Wow, we don't have to pay for healthcare. Like, and, oh, look, there are, like, really cool restaurants here. And there's like a really cool art scene here. And that's when we're like, okay, like, yeah, we're sad to be leaving stuff, but like, there's some really great stuff. Like we could have like a dream life in Germany, you know? And so yeah. that's, when, you know, we're like trying to get like pumped about it. Um, and we're, you know, genuinely getting excited it's about it. It's also a better conversation to have with friends than, you know, sorry, you're all fucked, we're leaving. Yeah. And I hope you come visit because there's cool stuff in Berlin. So that's a better conversation to have. Yeah, completely. Well, fast forwarding to now, because I'm just looking at the time and I know you guys, it's morning there, right? No, it's, no, night. it's night. No, it's but night. But it's Saturday night. So you are a Saturday night plan, so mm -hmm. don't worry. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Okay, well, just being respectful of time. Anyways, you guys are, you're there now. Why don't you give us a little snapshot of, of what is it like to make that big change and what kind of things do you experience and feel after that big of a change? Do you walk around the streets? You said you've been eventually able to walk around the streets saying, this is beautiful, but was there a point also where you walk around the streets being like, what the hell's wrong with me? Why did I do this? I'm crazy. There's... One thing that strikes me really, um, strikes me, I've lost my English already. There's one thing that I find really striking um, about Germany, and that is how they treat children. Uh, and there's a little bit for me of, yeah, there's the reason we left and the danger that could happen, and I still really worry about it. But there's a little bit of feeling like you got out of bad relationship, and I see what life can be like here, and I see how they treat children compared to how the United States treats children. Here, they have a playground on every block. They have toys and playgrounds in grocery stores. They have changing tables in grocery stores. When they don't have a changing table, they have a changing room, an entire room for changing or feeding your child, not just like a changing pad in a bathroom. Wow. They have free childcare, free. Healthcare is not actually free. You have to pay into it. But the childcare is free. Minimum seven hours a day of quality, you know, uh, licensed people taking care of your child. And if you can't afford the healthcare, that will become free. And definitely for children. And education is free. Um, there's a museum a, a block away. It's like a children's museum for kids. And they have a sign in there that says, um, all children have rights. And that really strikes me here. And that's what I notice about the culture the most is how as, as a society they are different 
and how they treat their children, which is an investment in their future. Um, and I didn't ex come here looking for that explicitly, um, but that's my big takeaway. And that to me tells me a lot, not just that we left because we were worried about bad things, but um, that we didn't even know how bad it is. And America is hard. It's really hard. I mean, you, to be homeless because you couldn't pay your healthcare bills, and there are a lot of homeless people in San Francisco and Los Angeles and every city in America. Yeah. Um, you know, we can talk about Russia collusion and we can talk about all the problems that we, you know, are on the front page of the New York Times, but there's a lot of problems that we're, aren't on the cover of the New York Times yeah. that you don't see here. Hmm. I, yeah. I mean, I would echo some of what Shane is saying in terms of the longer that we, that we are here, the more it does kind of feel like this thing, this Trump victory is what pushed us out of a really bad relationship. And that actually in some ways, like I love America. I have always considered myself to be a patriot. You know, I, like patriotism was a really important value that I was brought up with. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it kind of feels like being here you're like wow like this country kind of screws over its citizens america kind of screws over its citizens even yeah. before trump you know and it's like why are we living in a society that accepts that it's okay to treat people this way to like it changes your life so much to not worry about being on the streets because yeah. of you know some sort of accidental thing happening in life and like everyone here, walk, there, it's not like there are no homeless people here, but, yeah. but people, people may not be rich here. You know, there are more rich people in America, mm -hmm. but regular people walking around, people who work in hot dog stands, people who sell your coffee are not sitting there worrying about getting kicked out of their apartment next week. Yeah. And a lot of people who serve you coffee or sell you hot dogs in America are worried about that. You know, I've, I'm clearly um, interested in change, but one of the things that I've thought a lot about was, is the significant impact a cross-cultural experience can have. I lived in Mexico for a while working kind of a Habitat for Humanity, lived in Honduras, and had these experiences in Central America that drastically changed the way that I viewed the world. But I also started doing research on that when I got back to see how other people experienced that. This was like 15 years ago. And of the people who took these trips and went overseas for these short bursts of time, I think it was, the statistic was about 1% of people had a life-changing experience five years later. So the people who went over for a brief period of time saw maybe poverty in a new way or saw something that they hadn't experienced, everyone the week later would have called it a life-changing experience. Five years later, 1% were still living differently because of that trip. And I always wondered why that was. If, if it was because you were predisposed somehow in your DNA or your upbringing to be able to be receptive to a shift in paradigm. And I don't know, but what strikes me about what you guys are talking about is 
how helpful it can be to step outside of the thing to be able to look back in on it and then realize all the things you didn't even realize about the thing are suddenly you're are more clear it's so yeah. crazy how that happens and i i want so badly to grab a bunch of people and be like oh what if we just put you over here for a little while then yeah. maybe you would get out of that abusive relationship for example or fill in the blank and i don't i have no idea how that works that's part of the reason why i'm doing the podcast but what are your guys thoughts on that whole that whole thing well i think what you're describing is actually it's a thought that we had before we moved which was that like you know we didn't see this trump victory coming we didn't imagine it was possible like we are maybe too in it to see what the crap is going on in this country we call home yeah and getting out of america if nothing else will give us a fresh perspective and we both made blog posts um that had something to that effect and i actually used the analogy of taking a break in a relationship and i actually did use the analogy of like kind of i didn't realize i was in a bad relationship with america yeah. but america's kind of been that bad boyfriend <laughs> and, um, i'm i'm not saying it's over but i'm saying i'm on a break and i'm yeah. gonna take a break to like do some work on myself and like see like this relationship for what it really is yeah and um and so i do see i do see that for sure i don't know what do you think shane um yeah, I mean, that's one thing that was talked about a lot during the election and after the election is the bubbles we all live in. Uh, yeah. And liberals think that conservatives live in a bubble and vice versa. And it's true. And social media is the biggest echo chamber. Uh, and so that is one thing we wanted to get out of it, um, and is to come here and see if we can have a different perspective. Um, I will say social media doesn't change that much, no matter which continent you're on. Really? You know, it's this weird thing, like, we're very tuned into American news, American culture, and our friends, via social media, and the news we read. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're also learning German, and that yeah. will help get us out of our problems. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's also, I was going to say, to your point about, you know, people experiencing change when they leave, there's tons of correlations that they found in political science between, you know, the way people vote and have they've ever left their home or how far they've gone. Yeah. And, you know, the more progressive somebody is, the more likely they've been to get out and meet new people. Uh, and the more xenophobic somebody is, and that affects their, their, the way they vote when they aren't, you know, exposed to diversity. So we can see pretty clearly that that's, you know, fact. Yeah, I will, but I will say, especially for anyone listening to this thinking, like, can call BS on us right away, which is that, like, look, we own the fact that we are living in a bubble in San Francisco. We're living in a bubble of privileged, you know, liberal yuppies, you know, and this is why we were like, what? Whoa, like, most of the country would vote for this, like, scary orange faced, you know, bigot like what how could this happen and we have moved to a another bubble and granted everything is kind of a bubble in its own way but we live in the we live in a kind of yuppie neighborhood in berlin with a lot of expats we live in a bubble of privilege we talk to people who if they're not american they are a very cosmopolitan people who have 
strong liberal values. So like we are still in a bubble. We're getting a better perspective on America because we are outside of America and we're experiencing, you know, a version of German culture and whatever. Yeah. But I bear no illusions that like we suddenly got real and suddenly <laughs> got super woke. Yeah. Berlin, you know. Yeah. My wife and I talk a lot about this because we are um in the middle of another move, we moved from New York City just recently to Minneapolis. And we moved here for a number of different reasons, um, but we decided not to buy, we decided to rent. And we have our daughter in a Spanish immersion school. There was only one opening, like one open school. So we decided, well, we'll just rent not too far from the school and we'll punt on buying or settling into a specific area for a year. And we've talked about this for years, though, um, this tension between wanting to live around like-minded people, but at the same time, not wanting to be in a bubble and actually influence the world for the better. So it's pretty easy to imagine living, moving into a super, um, like a neighborhood that, that feels like we would be at home and other people would think like us. But then at the same time, it's like, well, what is that doing any good? And... I don't, I don't have an answer yet, but it's, it sounds like you guys are sort of, that's what triggered my thought was saying, well, we're still kind of in another bubble here. And yet it's, it's better environment for you. And well, yes. I mean, in a lot of ways it's better for our son, you know, I mean, one of the things we talked about was like, uh, so no, so like we're waiting for the train this morning and Shane saw that the train would be here in like five minutes. Is like, oh, and it's like, are you kidding me? Like, you're complaining it's going to be here in five minutes? Because usually, like, we only wait, like, a couple of minutes for the train. I'm like, honey, if we were in San Francisco, we'd be like, oh, it's going to be here so soon. It's going to be here in 15 minutes, and it's going to be 10 minutes delayed. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm like, it's amazing. Like, the trains here run on time. Like, and then I said, no, it's amazing trains here run on time. Why do I want to go back to America again? And that's the truth is like, I feel a tug to go back to America every day. Hmm. And it's like, you know, we made this big change and, you know, we agreed that we would give it two years and then we'd make a decision about what we're going to do next. But every day I am, I personally am like remaking the decision to stay here. I like wrestling with like, do I want to stay or do I want to go? Yeah. Um, and it's hard and it's hard for family reasons. And it is also hard for all the cultural stuff that you were just talking about. Yeah. Like um, when you talk about like, do you, you see yourself being a change agent or do you see yourself being someone who's just surrounded by like-minded people? Yeah. And like, I am surrounded by, you know, a lot of like privileged, you know, German expat, American British yuppies, but like, I'm surrounded by just people who are very different from me, who don't yeah. understand me. And it feels very alienating, especially mm-hmm. a stay-at-home parent. Like, you know, you're out there braving the world with the toddler. And yep. You have very few places where you feel at home or understood, and it's hard. Yeah. You know, we may get into this discussion, um, but in terms of being a change agent, I do think that there's change we can also bring here. Um, yeah. If we can make that happen, part is learning the language. 
But um, one thing that people are always surprised to learn, we were surprised to learn, Germany doesn't have gay marriage. They actually um, recognize our marriage, but it's not legal here. And wow. It's not legal here. But not a gay families. And so we talk, you know, if it sounds like we're on a moral high horse about leaving the United States, it's not like everything's perfect somewhere else. I mean, we talk about how important, you know, gay rights are to us and those that we got, uh, those that we won. Sorry, I mean, they are all problems here too that we're aware of, that we don't think perfect, and maybe we can make a difference here. Maybe the son of somebody who left um, because, you know, my story coming back after my grandfather left. Maybe I'm the reminder that diversity is important, human rights are important. Maybe we can make a change here. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, our family, it very often feels like our family sticks out like a sore thumb here. Really? People are intrigued by us. We have an adorable kid who's like very social and charming. And so he seems to really melt the Germans here. Um, but you know, it's about being a change agent. And I do feel like I'm kind of on like a two man, three man mission here. <laughs> Be like, to open Germans eyes, they're like, Berliners in particular, but Germans overall sit on their high horse feeling like, uh, we do everything right and we're so progressive and it doesn't occur to them that like, oh, like gay people could want to form a family. Yeah. Like, so like I, I will almost be defiant and being like, no, yeah, I'm married to my husband. He's not my partner. He's my husband. Yes, this is our son. He's both of our sons. And I feel like, you know, I, there are American values that I think are really great yeah. that people could benefit from here. And I try to bring those where I can. And I try to learn from the really good German values that Shane just talked about. Well, I think that's part of the beauty of experiencing something completely different. If you're there long enough, you can start to parse out the good and also can really help you value the good of the things that you left. Yeah. Sometimes that takes time, but I think that can be really lovely. I, um, I mean, it's hard to imagine not going back at some point. It really is yeah. our home. That's our culture. That's our family. Um, I just hope that, you know, our worst fears don't come true and that it doesn't become something that's really difficult to live in. Me I hope too, Shane. Everyone else lives there and I, my family, my friends. I worry. Well, let me ask you guys one last question then. Thank you very much for talking this long. I've loved talking to you both. Uh, the the last question I have is what you would tell other people who may be considering this type of change. What would you want them to know? Um, I would say that it was an opportunity for immense personal growth to make an incredibly big life decision and for perspective. Um, you know, and we're just six months in. We've only just scratched the surface of what perspective looks like. Um, you know, I mentioned that we're learning German. It's it's going slowly, faster for John, but that will be huge when we can really be in the culture a little bit more and read the news and talk to people. Yeah. So I don't want to say that I've like discovered that, you know, you, one can just leave their bubble. I think this is the beginning of that journey really. Um, but the experience of having made such a big change um, can work out very positively. We have a wonderful life right now. Um, you know, it, it's still hard. We miss the things we miss. Um, 
but we were able to create something wonderful um, and we're stronger, wiser people for having done it. Um, and also maybe safer. I mean, if we left for the, we, we left for specific reasons, I hope we're not you know, totally right. That's not the world I want to come to pass. Um, but you can, you know, you can find that safety if, if that's what you're looking for. If that's what your goal is, you can do it. Thanks, Shane. Um, there are a lot of things that I was thinking about when you, because your question is like, what would it, what would I tell someone else who's considering basically doing what we're, what we've done, right? Yep. Yep. And um, we had a lot of anxiety actually about making the move for other reasons that also might, that had nothing to do with anything we've talked about so far, which is like, sometimes I, I know I worried about feeling like and being perceived to be a coward for not staying and fighting, huh. you know? And I did say earlier in the conversation that we agreed that if we didn't have a child, we would have stayed and fought. But because we had a child, we felt we had to get out for the sake of our kid. Mm. Um, and that was a values-based decision, right? We made this decision because we had certain values. And it has actually changed the way that I feel like we live our, uh, the way that we live our lives and we want to live our lives. Like, um, it's not the first time that we've made values-based decisions. Like there was a time that I quit a corporate job to go work nonprofit. Um, I think like we've made other life choices that it's like, these are our values and our values are very important to us. And so anyone who's trying, who's contemplating doing something similar to what we've done, I would say like, you only have one life to live and you should live your life by your value system. And that is a really beautiful sentiment and statement, John. Thanks. Thanks. But I mean, it really like, I, we don't regret coming here because we were true to our values. Um, and when you make such a bold change in your life you know like we think about i think about um what we'll tell our son about why we left why he's you know living in germany if we stay here or why he lived for a while in germany you know and i want my son to live by good values by his values and so that also colors like the choices i make about other things in my life like you know since we i just since we decided to move here and since we've come here I'm like, you know, I don't want to do this because this isn't in line with my values. Yeah. I just upended my entire life because I'm saying I'm a person who lives. Yeah. So I need to live by that in other places in my life too. You know, that's so amazing how when you make a big change like that, that it starts to infect other areas that you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think that that comment about values is so important. We talked about, I remember one woman we interviewed in particular where you make a big change and it's usually not long thereafter where the doubt and 
uh, fear creeps in <laughs> and you're just like, what the hell was I thinking? And it's so helpful to have concrete values to base those decisions on. Even if they change over time, you can at least look back and say, okay, this is the reason I made the decision. And it's a refreshing reminder to be like, okay, it's really hard right now, but this was the reason it wasn't just an off the cuff or maybe it was off the cuff, but at least having a reason and particularly if it's rooted in a value that's been thought through is so helpful. Yeah. I'll also add that I really think it's brought John and I closer together to have done this together and seen that we both live our values that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't know how to put that anymore eloquently, but that was very eloquent. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 uh, I'm so grateful. But genuinely, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. This was super fun. Um, actually, honestly, we wanted to do it partly because um, I wanted to do it for this reason. I thought it'd be a really great exercise because we don't sit around and talk a lot about what we're doing in the meta. Uh, and so it was really useful for us and I think really interesting. So yeah, I, good. I, 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 thank you. Yeah. Thank you.